It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November 1st, and you're listening to episode 492. Eight episodes till the big 500th episode. What's going to happen? We don't know. You don't know. No one knows. We're just... We're just flying by the seat of our pants, <laughs> our trousers, as they say in England. Um, but anyways, today with me, I have first time caller, long time listener. I think I said that backwards. Long time listener, first time caller. Neither one of those statements were true. She's been on the show many times, but it's been a long, long time. And I'm excited to have her back. That is Nicole Amato. Hi, Jason. It's so good to be here. It's good to have you here. It's really good to see your face and to talk to you. Um, we've done that a few times in the last couple of months, but it's good to do it like in like a real recorded setting so that people will believe it actually happened. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen unless it was recorded, right? Yes. That's yes. the old saying. The old saying. <laughs> that it's, it's either got to be Facebook official or recorded. <laughs> One of the two has to happen. So yeah, here here we are recording together. Uh, and it's it's splendid. I think the most important question right now, um, I'm not sure how well people know me on the show, but, um, you know, Dune just came out. Yes, yes. Did, I've heard. did you see it? So I'm going to let you talk all about how excited you are about Dune and then I'll rain on your parade. <laughs> <gasps> I can't wait. How exciting. No, uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I have no opinions, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, Dune's just my favorite book of all time. You know, I did my senior thesis on it. I've read it like over a dozen times and you know i don't i don't love the lynch version i i accept the sci-fi miniseries is, is, is. and then um you know this this uh director what is it dennis villanueva i think i can't remember i think it's villanueva that's a guess i i believe that's how it's pronounced but i could pretty be sure you just nailed it in one i was like stumbling but um yeah i like a lot of his other movies and i was like really hype and then uh chris o'neill and i saw it thursday night in the theater Mm -hmm. and um i don't remember doing this but after the movie chris turned to me and said there were like six times where you just whispered the f word (laughs) (laughs) and i was like six times and then he like named them all and i was like "Mm, accurate that's accurate yeah nice and then i watched it again this weekend on hbo max (laughs) oh good i'm i'm super glad you enjoyed it yeah. So yeah. So here's the story with Dune for me. I've okay. never read the books. I've never seen any of the movies. Okay. And it just doesn't interest me. I don't know why. Sure. That's I fine. Feel, I it, it feels like it should. I. So this is going to sound a little Rob Couchy. I'm going to be honest when I say this. <laughs> part, uh, and he saw, he actually saw Dune. I asked if he was excited about it. He said he was excited and then he saw it and he didn't like it. Yes. Um, <gasps> so, but but I um. Whenever I see a movie with that many famous people in it, I always have a lot of trepidation as to whether or not I'm going to enjoy the movie. Sure. Um, Because historically, that's not always a great thing when there's 7 million people in a movie that are famous. Right. Um, I remember a meme from when they first announced, when they were like announcing the casting, people were like, hey, could you guys leave some people for other movies? Right, 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 right. Well, and of course they have Oscar Isaac, yeah, uh, who I love, but who is in everything now. He's incredible. He's, I mean, he's so great. 
Uh, so one person though that I I I don't know why, but I have this like I'm not gonna call it a hatred, but I have an intense intense dislike for Timothy Chalamet. <sighs> um, I don't know why. I, so let me explain it to you. So I I've he's been in a lot of stuff, and I've heard his name, blah blah blah, and I just didn't care. Um, but then I saw the new Little Women movie, the Greta Gerwig version. I haven't seen um, that. So I didn't care for the original Little Women. It's one of my wife's favorite movies, uh, but I, I just didn't really care for it. I, it wasn't – I didn't really – like some of the actors and actresses in it I thought were great. Um, but interestingly, Christian Bale, who I normally like, I thought was really awful and annoying as the character he was. Christian Bale, um, is, he's a he's – a, it's a tough one. He's Yeah, yeah. You love him or you hate him, yeah. Right. And I don't I don't necessarily dislike him in general, but I thought he was awful in that movie. Right. Um, and then I saw uh, the new version and I, I loved it. I adore that movie. I think it's I think it's really, really good, um, except for Timothy Chalamet is in it. And I just kind of want to kick him like I just I don't understand why I don't like him. Um, but interestingly, he played the same character as Christian Bale did. Uh, in that story. So maybe it's just that I really can't stand that character. Yeah, that's that's um, probably what it is, yeah. I think part of the problem is Timothy Chalamet. I have no idea how old he is, but he looks like he's seven. Listen, um, he looks like the tiniest baby. I does. feel like guilty thinking he's cute because I'm like, you're so tiny. And and I think one of the issues is with that movie, you know, the cast like grows up as they grow up and everyone else, they do a good job of like, in fact, you're kind of like, you're older than you look like you are in right. these scenes, right? Uh, he's but 25. Then, he's 25, um, just so you know. Okay. Okay. But then in other, um, in other, like everyone else is like, you look too old for that. But I'm like, oh no, he looks like they cast somebody who's the right age. Right. But then they all grow up to be in their 20s. And I'm like, well, this is awkward. Um, <laughs> but he actually is in his 20s. It's just, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm excited for people to like Dune. I don't dislike Dune. I actually don't know much about Dune. And that's probably silly because I, I would probably like it. You know, let's be honest. Um, I mean, it's a very dense story. Right. And um it's one of the things that I like really like about it. Like, I think my favorite thing about it is that it's like, I, I, I think I'm, I think what I'm starting to learn about myself recently, I've done a lot of like soul searching and I think I am a hopeless romantic um, <laughs> because like Dune is this like sprawling epic that's about ecology and, you know, there, there are so many themes to it. And my favorite thing about it is the love story, which is okay. like not prominent at all. And like, I think that that's what I liked so much about this movie. The the one that just came out is that the, the affection that all the characters have for each other. That's so apparent and, and wonderful in the book is just, I feel like every actor did their homework. Like, oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, they should have because they all got paid really well because there was a bunch of famous people in that movie. So. Right. <laughs> but like every Atreides scene where there's like any sort of room for the characters to have affection for each other, it just feels so. I mean, I cried multiple times. I was like, this is everything I wanted to see. Like it was. Oh, that's great. I'm yeah. I'm super duper happy for you. That is awesome. Um, you know, I, that's how I feel about some movies too. Like, so I get it. Like, that's how I feel more about like the Marvel stuff. Like I just, yes. I just love those movies and whenever they're great, it just makes me feel really good. 
Yeah, it like fills your heart. It's like, oh yeah, this is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Let me tell you though, the best thing I've watched of late. I I, I did watch Squid Game and I and I loved it. Ugh, it was, I still haven't. I need to. It's I'm super gonna... stressful. It's it's horrifying, but it's so good. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about the show that everyone should watch, and I know a lot of people have, is Ted Lasso. Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, we just finished season two last night, and uh, I could not love that show more. Like it is, it is everything that I could use right now in a TV show. Right. Like it's just like I uh, haven't watched it yet, and everybody keeps being like Nicole. We know you need dopamine. Please watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is just a lot of like, it's it's just really good and and you know it's funny because everybody's like it's just all positive and feel good and it's not. There's some right. really down stuff in it, but the way they handle it is just really refreshing. Yeah, um, that's what I've heard. That's why people have people have been like, hey, I think it's a really real show and and yeah, like they and the relationships are just like so good so good um they're handled so well the characters are all incredibly consistent which is something oh, you don't that. see in a lot yeah. of shows nowadays um or probably ever i say nowadays like these kids these days but i really like <laughs> i think it's always um so yeah so yeah yeah yeah, yeah well, i've been watching taskmaster and um i just restarted letter kenny Ah uh, yes, I've heard Letterkenny's really good. That is something oh. I eventually will watch. I just haven't had a chance to yet. So it's it's funny, but it's also like very crass, especially in the beginning. Um, but like as long as you don't mind crassness, like it's a gem. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, hey, so we are going to talk about a topic today. Uh, and before I introduce that topic, uh, I want to do something I don't normally do on the show, which is I just want to throw out some content warnings. Um, because I got to thinking about it, and I think that's probably worthwhile. I think that's a great idea, yeah. Um, so just uh, some content warnings for um, sickness and, and death and loss. Um, and if that's not something you want to hear about today or ever, um, then I would I would I would take a break from this one because um, we're gonna we are gonna really delve into the documentary side of the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so. That was the heads up for you. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, uh, and, and Nicole did suggest this. I want to I wanna be very clear that, Nicole, you brought this topic to me as something yeah. you wanted to talk about uh, when we were trying to decide what to talk about on the show today. Um, and and I'm, I'm thankful you are because, you know, like we said, it's a documentary podcast and, and it's important to hear what's happening in the lives of everyone. Um, and obviously you've had... You've had a tough few years, um, culminating in a very tough few months at the end here. Um, but as as most people know, uh, I think in the industry, um, Nicole's husband Anthony um, passed away after a um, several year long battle with cancer. Um, he passed away three months ago, um, and uh, yeah, and in Nicole, in addition to him being your partner in life and being. Uh, one amazing dude. Um, uh, he also was your co-design partner. You know, uh, pretty much everything you worked on was with him. And um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest for myself. I was curious if, if games would be too, too hard for you to think about or to work on, um, you know, with, with somebody like that being gone from your life. And uh 
Um, and you, you said, no, you said you want to, you want to keep working on stuff and you want to keep doing this. And so, um, which I think is, I think is amazing. Um, but I also recognize that that is, yeah, that it's, it's different and it's hard. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, we're going to talk about, um, really for the record, whatever you want to talk about, but, thank um, you. you know, part of the goal here is to talk about, um, you, looking at how you're going to dive back into all of this um, in a very different way than you have before. Um. Yeah. I, uh, so like you said, you know, Anthony and I, you know, we met in 2011 and we met playing Dungeons and Dragons, which was really cute. And uh, at the time, you know, I was writing for video games and I was doing video game reviews and I was really heavily involved in the, Philadelphia video game scene. So like the indie video game scene and mm-hmm. Anthony and I, you know, he started coming with me to this thing called dev night, which was like a weekly get together of all the video game developers. And they had a monthly game jam. And, you know, one month we were like, well, we could make a board game. You know, we really love, you know, role-playing games, we really love board games. And so we made, that was how resistor was made. You know, the, the game jam theme was, uh, pick an Oasis song title and make a game from it. <laughs> and when Anthony found out that that was the theme, when I turned, I, I remember we were on our way to the meeting and I said, Oh, Hey, they announced the theme. And I read it to him and he was like, this is a joke. Right. Cause he, he like infamously hated Oasis. So he, <laughs> he thought somebody was playing a trick on him. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how we made resistor. We won the jam and you know, things kind of just escalated from there, you know, uh, we worked on we worked on Kobolds. We made Laser Riders. Um, we made we made Atari Centipede for IDW, and you know it was um, making games together was you know it was a challenge because we have very different styles, and um, but it helped us learn a lot about each other that I think as a romantic couple, you know, we may not have learned, and it helped us get through a lot of hurt. It helped us jump a lot of hurdles that I think. I never would have in a normal situation, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, it helped us learn how to communicate better and, you know, but, but, but part of the challenge was like you said, in, um, in 2018, he was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, he did, you know, chemo radiation surgery, had to recover from surgery. And then, I mean, he didn't get a very, he, he, we suspect that the cancer never actually went away. You know, they gave him the all clear, but we don't think it ever, he ever was all clear. It came back and then right. he did chemo again and then surgery. And then um, last June, it was June, 2020 was when they gave him his terminal diagnosis. They, they gave him basically a year and we switched hospital systems in the hope that we could get better care at Penn. We live in Philadelphia and, and Penn is like one of the best hospital systems around. Right, but right. yeah, he did. He did pass away in July, and and for that last year, you know, one of the, I mean, on top of being sick and constantly being on chemo and not really being at his mental best, and going from, you know, I th- I think the biggest challenge in working on things together in that last year was that, um, you know, they they just had to keep increasing the pain medication and the pain medication just really makes it so that you can't, you know, function very well. So the pain medication hurt it, but also the the pandemic, you know, the pandemic right. made it so that 
you know, we couldn't go to events. Not that, not that that would have been viable for him as time went on, but you know, it got harder and harder for us to play test. And, you know, one of the things actually that I really struggle with um, that I've kind of, you know, I've done a lot of soul searching over the last couple of months, like you said about whether or not I still want to do this. And one of the things, one of the things that I don't know how to do is put stuff in tabletop simulator, you know, um, Anthony was just a wizard at that. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, how am I going to do this? He was the artist, you know, he made all of our prototypes. So, um, I think, I think I've talked about this on the show before. Also, um, our tank game originally called tank robbers. Now it's called boom patrol. Um, we signed mm-hmm. that with uh, smirk and dagger, Kurt Covert. Right, and, right. um, I mean, I don't know if you know, Kurt, but Kurt is just like, gosh, he's just one of the most like pleasant, passionate, like kindest people that I've ever met in my life. Like he's so nice. And he was so, he was so into the game and it was like really refreshing because we, you know, we had never seen a publisher get that, like his whole face lit up when he played our game the first time. Mm-hmm. And the last time he emailed me about the game was the weekend just before Anthony went into hospice. And, you know, he was like, hey, like I made a bunch of progress. Here's the rule book I put together. And I was like, I can't like do anything with this. I can't, I can't deal with this, you know, because at that point, um, if I can be super frank, um, you know, I thought that, you know, Anthony's like mental acuity had declined suddenly and very rapidly. And I thought it was mm-hmm. because they had again upped his pain medication. And then when I talked to the doctors, they called the doctors called me very early Monday morning. Cause I had sent them like a message Sunday night and they were like, Hey, what you're describing is actually liver failure. He's not like, and they, they were, they were, they were like, we don't think this is a fire that we can put out at this point anymore. And so that was when, you know, we had to make, I mean, I had to make a lot of really hard decisions. Um, Anthony hadn't right. done any paperwork. He hadn't done an advanced directive. He hadn't done, um, he hadn't made a will. He hadn't, he was very much of the mind that doing any of those things was giving up, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So I knew what his wishes were. You know, he very clearly told me what his wishes were, but there's a big difference between knowing what the person you love wants and then having to sign that paperwork, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, but what if, what if this isn't what he wants? You know what I mean? So, right. So I actually just replied to Kurt yesterday. So it took me three months to write back to Kurt. Every time I tried to look at that, to even look at that email, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And um, I finally wrote back to him and, you know, I think I'm finally in a place mentally and emotionally where I can finish this game and start working on like, what the end goal is, you know, I think Kurt, uh, Kurt's usual timeline, I don't, I don't know what his timeline is, but his, his pattern is usually to put things on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and as you know, also, uh, I, because I owe you a piece of art, <laughs> Anthony's got all the art and all the art assets on his computer. So I have to also go through those, figure out, um, which ones people need. Like, I'm not sure if Kurt needs any, I know that you need one for the, 
for the Building the Game logo. Um, right. And so for the record, yes, the if you go to the Building the Game podcast website, uh, that awesome header that we have, uh, not the, not the uh, actual images of us, but the sweet header that says Building the Game and, and all of that. That was all designed by Anthony, and um, he it was it was a situation where he saw what I was trying to do, and then just said, I-, "I can do it for you." And he did an amazing job, and and we're gonna we're gonna keep that as long as we can, um, because yeah, because it's brilliant, and uh, yeah, and so was Anthony. So thank you. Um, yeah, and so I I had said to Nicole, "I want to keep that," and you said, "You need the files, don't you?" <laughs> I said, but yes, we do need the files because he sent me what I needed. Uh, right. which is no longer what I need. Now I need the bigger files. Cause uh, yeah. Cause we're doing some updates to some other things and um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I don't know a lot about excited. art, but I've listened enough to him uh, interact with people to know things like, Oh, I need the layered version. I don't need the flattened version. I need, you know what I mean? I've, I've like right, right. heard him say certain things so many times that like, as soon as someone starts saying something to me, I'm like, I know the rest of the sentence. <laughs> Right, right, right. But yeah, um, one of the other things he said to me in the last couple of months that he was alive was that, you know, he made me promise that I would get kobolds out. So I have to like work on kobolds some more. And one of the things that I've been doing, um, one of the things that I've been trying to do in lockdown is play solo games. So I've gotten a couple solo games. I've kind of like looked at the games that I own that can be played solo. And I've tried to like start doing that just because I, one of the ways that I, kind of like one of the things that gets my like brain going is playing games, you know, and like thinking Mm -hmm. about games and thinking about how they work. So I've been trying to play more games. um, But it's been hard, you know, especially because, um, you know, like I, like I told you before we started recording, I've started dating again, which is weird and very emotional. And, um, you know, I forgot how much, mental and emotional energy that takes up, but in a good way, like in a joyful kind of way. Right. Um, right. And I've also sort of started to have a social life again. And I think that part of, I, I like to, I like people, you know, I love hanging out with people. I love seeing people. And so part of having a social life again is that that ends up cascading a little bit, you know, like I make plans with someone and then, you know, my, I talk to friends and I say like, Oh, I, you know, I, did this thing and they're like oh you're doing things again do you want to hang out you know so that's been like I've been trying to like not overbook my calendar which is very hard because I'm feeling very enthusiastic about seeing people um right right I mean for on multiple fronts right because obviously you weren't with Anthony's situation but also with the pandemic you really weren't seeing people like you were so yeah um yeah and those two things together really you know, like we had a handful of friends during the pandemic um, who would, before vaccinations, they would get a PCR test, quarantine for several days, and then they would come spend the day with us, or they would do that. And then they would like stay here with Anthony so that I could go out and do stuff. You know what I mean? So that, Mm -hmm. um, but that was, that was so hard. That was so hard. Right. Right. And then once we all got vaccinated, you know, things got a lot easier. And I feel like, you know, I feel like now that I'm not actively constantly stressed about being with someone who's terminally ill, I'm a little less careful. Like I went to a concert last night, which I never would have done 
in a million years. You know, I, I had a mask right. on, vaccines were required to get in. I had a mask on, but like, it was still very, a very like anxiety inducing situation, you know, being in a small closed area with other human beings that you don't know is still yeah. very stressful. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, you know, I've been putting a lot of thought into other game ideas. You know, you and I talked about a game idea last time we talked and I have another idea that I've never really like brought to the table. You know, Anthony, Anthony very much um, was the person who made the prototypes and he, he was the visual thinker. You know what I mean? And I, you know, anytime I was like, Hey, I have an idea. He would be like, okay, tell me more about it. And then it didn't matter what I said. He would be like, I don't get it. And he would like, basically forced me to make a prototype of it myself and then he'd be like see you could do it and I'm like I hate this this feels like homework (laughs) so yeah um I'm gonna have to learn how to do that on my own and I think that's one of the most intimidating things for me it is you know though but let me let me give you a little little perspective on that I'm not gonna call it a pep talk uh, no please give me a pep talk pep me up well here's here's the thing like new designers are do that every day, right? Yeah. Um, don't know how to do any of this stuff and we we have to figure it out. We're forced to figure it out. Um, and and while you come into this with a lot of emotional um, baggage for less for, for lack of a better term, right? You just, you have a lot of emotional um, debt, I guess, over this stuff, right? That's just kind yeah. of, is part of this, right? You're going to carry it with you. But taking that out of the equation, you also have a ton of game design knowledge um, that you're coming into this with, right? You've yeah. seen a ton of prototypes. You've you've helped make a ton of prototypes, um, and and now you're going to do it on your own, and um, and it's going to be daunting. Um, so daunting. Daunting is such a good word. But if a bunch of jerks like me, uh, who don't know anything <laughs> about it, can figure it out uh, from the beginning. Then I I know there's there's uh, there's no chance you won't be able to do it because if I can do it, well I like to think that anyone can do it. Um, I don't like this trashing of yourself, but thank you for the pep talk. Self deprecating is, is, is <laughs> kind of like my it's, it's my strike zone there. It's your brand, um, yeah. One really good thing though to remember too is you know you're you were saying you don't know anything about tabletop simulator. Let me tell you what, Nicole, there's never been a better time to not know how to use Tabletop Simulator because guess who does know how? Everyone else. <laughs> because we all had to learn over the last year and a half. Right, yeah. we didn't want to, we had to learn how to use that stupid, stupid program. I know. It's the um, worst. So, yeah. So, I'm more than happy to help you through that, as are Thanks. probably a lot of other people who are better than me. Uh, but I've, <laughs> I've went from being like completely non-functional in that to being pretty darn good at putting stuff together, it's nothing. It's never anything like amazing. But right, like if right, you say, right. Jason, I need this prototype you've made put in a TTS, I can do it. Like I can do it pretty quickly. Um, and that makes me feel really good because two years ago, I, I, I would have been like, I don't know, let me find a co-designer that can do that. Because Right, let me hire know. someone to do this. <laughs> and when it came to the position for that, I was in the same as you. I would work with Neil or with Kelly and both of them are really good at TTS and would just be like, Oh, I'll handle that part. And frankly, they still do because they're still better at it than I am. But when I'm working on my set with my own or with a co-designer that doesn't know, uh, then it's me, it's on me to do it. And, um, I've learned so much from them that it it makes it easier. So that's awesome. 
you will get there. You will get there. Um, I think, um, I think one of the other things that I'm, um, struggling with, you know, you and I had talked about this before, um, you know, grief is such a roller coaster. And so it's so unpredictable. And one of the things that I've tried to do, even before Anthony passed away, you know, I was, I was, you know, my, my therapist explained to me like, Hey, like, you know, you've been grieving for a long time, even when Anthony yeah. was alive. Um, right. And so she's, cause she's been helping me with like timelines and, you know, cause the, literally the day after Anthony passed away, I had an emergency appointment with her. And at the end of it, I said, so I can, can I go get a kitten today? And she was right. like, Nicole, no, Nicole, bad. <laughs> I was like, Nicole, yes. And, um, I was like, okay, well then you get to tell me when I can get one. That's your job now. And she was like, wait, what? <laughs> but, um, but she said, um, you know, six months before you make any big decisions, I want you to wait six months. And she said that she usually tells people to wait a year, but that because I've been grieving for so long, she thinks that right. I can revisit everything in six months and see how I'm feeling. And um, the other difficult, you know, being on a roller coaster of grief makes it difficult to make commitments. You know, before Anthony passed away, I was, I had, I had several editing jobs and I was getting really anxious. So I, I, what I ended up doing for the editing jobs was anytime I got one, I would sit down with the person and say like, Hey, like I'm going to, I, I may be unpredictable. I may not be, I may not meet deadlines. Um, the sooner you can tell me, when to work on things, the better it is for me because then I can start working on them right away when I have a good day. And the other thing was that I contacted friends who also edit, do freelance editing. And I said, Hey, um, if I can't finish this job, can you, can you take it over for me? So mm -hmm. that made me a lot, that made me feel a lot more comfortable because I don't like leaving people in the lurch, you know? Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and I recently had a friend, who reached out to me and he runs like a kind of like a consulting sort of um, he does like consultations and ads and stuff like that. And he asked me, he, he asked me if he could hire me part-time to like help with project management. And, you know, I, I did talk to my, I sat down and talked to my therapist about it and I, I thought about it a lot. And, and I said this, a similar thing to him. I said, um, it would make me feel a lot more comfortable if you had a backup plan in case I don't work out because I'm at a point where I'm not sure exactly what's going to overwhelm me or when I'm going to hit that threshold of being overwhelmed. Right. Right. And That's the other, fair. and the other thing that I wanted to say just real quick about grief, cause we were talking about, you said that, you know, I have a lot of game design experience and I, and I've done a lot, you know, I, and I have, I've, I've seen a lot of prototypes. I've, I, I think one of the best things that I've done is like, I've judged a lot of competitions and contests and stuff like that. So I've gotten to see a lot of videos. I've gotten to play a lot of prototypes and, and I often find that there are a lot of like hidden gems and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, but one of the big challenges for me in the last three and a half years has been, um, I've, I've noticed that I've started to have like memory issues and I've started to have like, you know, I, I have concentration issues and I think that those things will start to get better now that I'm able to like work on processing grief and work on getting through like the trauma of the last couple of years. But 
there was definitely, there have definitely been points at which I've been like, oh, my brain is just not ever going to be the same. Can I even make games anymore? If that all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it does. Yeah. I think it does. Um, gosh, this, yeah, this is just, it's, it's just it's overwhelming. Just, it's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, you are amazing for working your way through this. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm so amazed at, um, at your progress on everything, you know, and, um, yeah. And I, and I know that it's, it's a forever thing, right? Like it doesn't, oh, yeah. you know, um, you don't get over stuff like this and Yeah. Well, thank you for saying all that. I think that, I think that, um, you know, I've been in therapy for a long time for, for childhood trauma. And I think that one of the things that changed my life in terms of therapy was, and I don't know if other people think this way, but when I was younger, I was like, oh, yay, therapy. That's where they're going to take all these bad things out of me and I don't have to deal with them anymore. And that's not it at all. You know, therapy, you know, not it. It's so not it. But, but like, it's such a naive, like normal thing to think, right? Like, oh, you're going to fix me. You're going to take these things away. And it's like, no, those things never go away. What I'm going to do is give you the tools to learn how to deal with them. And I think that learning all of that and having that realization has helped me a lot with this grief process because I'm not, I'm not trying to just forget the last three and a half years. And I'm not just trying to forget that Anthony existed. I'm trying to reframe my life in a way that I can give myself like sort of like the space and, and like compassion to be sad. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like I, you know, you know, we're, can I, can I, can I break the fourth wall and say we're recording this on the 25th? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) So yeah, so we're, we're recording this on the 25th and this is to the day three months since Anthony passed away. And, um, you know, the thing about losing him has been that time, time has been unexpectedly painful, right? So at first it was, every day was hard. Every day waking up, I remembered and it was hard. And then, you know, every, the first of every month is hard because it's, oh, here's another, here, like the, like, you know, he died July 25th, August 1st. It was like, how dare there be a new month without Anthony? You know, like, right. like this is going to be the first new month without Anthony. And yeah. so every month has been like that. And then, you know, today I woke up and I, um, you know, last night I got home and part of my ceiling in the bedroom came down and my toilet wasn't working. <laughs> I was like, yep, going to bed. <laughs> And then, you know, this morning I woke up and I was like, oh, you know, I got to contact the leasing office and I was just in a good mood. And I like took a walk to go get breakfast and I was halfway back from the walk and it hit me. I was like, oh, it's the 25th. Crap. You know, and I I went from like, I'm in such a good mood. I pet some dogs. It's nice outside to like, oh, right. My husband died three months ago today. Right. And like, there are so many like moments like that, that I'm just like. You know, I, and I know that it will, I know that the, that the pain will soften, but I don't think it'll ever go away. And I think that the more I learn to accept that, 
the easier it'll be to deal with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I read this one time. Gosh, it was probably like on Facebook or some bullshit, but it's actually a really, really good analogy. And I don't know where it came from, um, but it, it referred to grief as as a box with a yeah. button. The grief I know this. button, you know, and this yeah. big, there's a big ball in there, right? Mm-hmm. And every time the ball hits the button, you feel it, right? It, yeah. it hurts. Um, and over time, the ball gets smaller and smaller. Um, and that means two things. One, it means it's less often. But two, it means that when it does hit you, it's like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. Um, you know, and that is, that's, you know, I mean, that is, that's the rest of your life, right? Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's okay because, you know, um, uh, I mean, there's that, that pain. I, I, I don't know. I, there was a, gosh, there was a line from a uh, WandaVision. Oh my God. Says of, you know, what is, what is grief if not love persisting? And that, uh, that line destroyed me. But it's it's beautiful, right? I mean, it's so beautiful. because because it's the truth, and it, it's it's or I think it's love persevering. But it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just you know, um, and, and I want to take just a moment as an aside, if we can, for for the therapy thing you mentioned, because I think it's really important. You know, um, I, I've also been doing therapy for several years now, um, and I took a break for many many years uh, before I had come back to it, and that was a mistake. It was a big mistake, and. Um, yeah, in, in my, my life and my family and myself, we all suffered from that, from me right. making that irresponsible choice to not go back to therapy when I should have. Um, but, you know, we do have this belief that somebody can magically just take away your problems. Right. Um, and the first therapist I ever saw when I was diagnosed with OCD, um, I really thought she could just fix it. Um, and I, and I realize now that obviously that wasn't true. And even my therapist now will, will still remind me. And I, I hate this. She'll say, I need you just to be okay with this. I'm like, I'm not okay with it. And she's like, well, I understand, but, but that's what we have to work on. You just have to accept this. You right. have to accept these, you know, these issues that you have with OCD and, and you just have to accept it. And, and that is, that's tough. Right. But the, the first therapist I ever saw, she was brilliant. Um, and, and not that my current one isn't, I'd love her too. But the first one I ever saw when I, when I kind of went with that expectation of, can you just take away this, just take away this OCD and fix it? Um, it was our very first session when I kind of laid that expectation on her and she said, no, I can't. And, and she described more succinctly my, the feelings towards that. And I think towards a lot of things, I think you'll really relate to this, um, in a, in a really, easy story. And she said, when you have OCD, you have um, a kitten, right? And this kitten, speaking of which, don't get a kitten yet, but <laughs> you, you have a kitten. And basically, when your OCD spikes, this kitten meows and it, it cries and it's annoying. So you feed it because right. you just, you're just want the kitten to shut up, right? Yes. And you keep feeding the kitten. And one day you turn around um, and it's a tiger because you fed it so much that it got huge. Right. Um, and it's really hard to tell that tiger no. When the tiger wants to be fed, you're going to feed the tiger. And she said, you will live with the tiger for the rest of your life. But what I can do is I can help you put that tiger in a cage. Right. Um, and while it's going to be there and it's going to be hard to deal with, it's not going to be able to hurt you and it's not going to be able to do anything to you unless you let it. And you can, you will learn how to ignore it. 
even when it's hard. Um, and that was really, really true. Uh, that's proven to be true. Um, I mean, there are days where I feel like I left the door open maybe. <laughs> right. The case. Um, but, and I'm not trying to make this about me. I just, I want. No, no, no. I think, I think that this is, this is very, very apt and very, very relevant what we're talking about. I just want people to understand that, you know, therapy is important. Like I, I truly, I say this, I said this to my friends and, and, and others and, and I truly mean it. Like, I think every person in the world should be in therapy. Yeah. Um, it's mental hygiene. Why would you not want to have a person that you could talk to that just wants to help support you and be your, like they, they they want to make you better. Right. Right. Like um, in, in good therapists and it's important you find one that works for you. Um, good therapists want to make you better on your terms, right? Right. Um, and uh, and it, it can be hard. It can be frustrating. Um, but it really is. Um, it really is important uh, to work on that mental hygiene for all of us. Um, and I think the other. I think. Sorry, are you finished that thought? I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, I did. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think is a misconception about therapy is that, you know, people are like, but I'll just talk to my spouse. And no, that's, that's a horrible idea. Right. And, and there, there are several reasons why that's a horrible idea. Like, of course, it's wonderful if you can have a wonderful, rich emotional relationship with your spouse. However, there are definitely things that you, your spouse is not trained to help you, with the tools for some things like, like, sure, you can talk to your spouse about your day at work. You can talk to your spouse about, you know, conflicts you're having, but like, you shouldn't put trauma on your spouse. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't, like, if you have unresolved trauma that, that needs to be dealt with, you know, it's not, not only should you not do it, you're, you're frankly being unfair to your spouse by, by putting that burden on them because that's not their job. And I think, you know, I don't want to say that I don't, I don't want to say it, but I, but I should say it like it's, it's oftentimes men put it on women, you know, and they, and women are just so trained to take on that emotional burden and that's not fair. And, and I think that one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years is that if you, you know, it's, it's a totally different thing if you talk to a therapist and then you talk about that process with your spouse. You know what I mean? Like it's yes, it's much richer um, when you can share the things that you've learned and when you like like you know, Anthony would kill me. You know, I, I would not be able to talk about this if he was alive because he's very very private. But um, one of the things was that he didn't he didn't want to talk to a therapist. And then when he got diagnosed the second time, I was like, hey, I don't think I'm able to handle the emotional burden of both of us. And I think that it would mean a lot to me if you started seeing a therapist and you started seeing a therapist and I wasn't sure how it was going. And then within a few months, you know, he would say things that I, he had never said before. He would, he would talk about things that in a way that he had never framed them before. And he would also say things like, Oh yeah, you know, my therapist said this. And I, I, it just, it just filled me with joy to see him mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't want to say like blossoming, but like being able to express himself in ways that he had never been able to express himself before. And it, yeah. I, I think it really helped our relationship. You know, I, I think it helped 
both of us because he had a place where he could vent and not worry that he was burdening me. And it gave me the space to work on myself, but also it helped us be there for each other in a much healthier way, if all that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, it's yes, yes. I mean, I think that, gosh, it's it's so important Like you you can have like I think my wife and I have a wonderful relationship and we are able to talk about our emotions and things. And but still like, yeah, you can't you can't put fixing how you feel or making you understand your issues on your spouse. You right. just can't like you need someone who's not involved in that process to be able to help you with that process. Right. Yeah. Um, in, you know, in, in being able to, cause like being able to say like, you know, I know my wife and I like, she wants, like, if I'm struggling, she wants to help. Right. And then like, but what, as, as anyone who deals with depression knows, uh, when someone tries to help you when you're depressed, you, you generally don't want that help. Right. Um, and that's like, that's really hard for someone who's trying to help you feel better, right? Because they want to help and you just want them not to help you or you want them to help you in a different way, right. but you may not realize that, right? And they certainly don't realize that. Yeah. Um, and, and having a therapist, first of all, like it, you don't, it doesn't matter whether or not you want them to help you. They're going to because you, you paid them to help you. Right. Um, and that's like literally their whole job. Yeah. Um, and like, that's your whole purpose for talking to them, right? Is that they're there to help you. So I, 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 you know, it's, but what they do is just like you said with Anthony, like they give you the tools to understand how to talk about these things. And that is so important. So important. Yeah. Um, to yeah. you know, to understand how to talk about this stuff and also to understand like, like I, one of the things I learned and I learned this from, from coaching as well as therapy is the, the ability to say, actually, before I went back to therapy, I was doing somewhat better with coaching because my coach would, would help me in situations say, is this my fault? What am I doing wrong here? Right. 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 Um, and, and while that could be a slippery slope and you have to watch that in certain situations, like if you're really into self-blame, right? And yes. thinking everything is your fault. Yeah. But that quick, when you're not like that, that quick check-in to say, am I doing something wrong here? Is this, am I causing this to happen? Um, and I found that that, you know, taking that simple step uh, was game changing for me to be able to say like, hey, um, like, okay, nope, I'm the jerk here. And I need to walk that backwards and right. I need to fix that because no one should have to deal with that. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I it's just, people go to therapy, go to therapy people. <laughs> um, because you'll, you'll just be better for it. Um, but really do your research, know what you need, know what kind of therapist you want. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do uh, probably an inappropriate amount of research before I pick a therapist um, I think that's excellent. I think that's and, very, very um, good. Because I need to fully understand. I look at what I want. I look at what they're going to provide. I mean, I have a a ridiculously long checklist that that a therapist has to meet. Um, and the new therapist that I found several years back, like she checked all those boxes because I started, I, I, I went through and I said, okay, I'm pretty confident she's going to check all these boxes. And if she doesn't, I'm out. Right. And she did. Um, you know, and now it's been, you know, 
um, it's just been it's been life changing for me and for my whole family because taking care of your mental health is important. Um, and I know they're like, I don't think I would have gotten through the pandemic without. Absolutely. My, I mean, my, I would have gotten through it, obviously, but I would not have gotten through in a positive way uh, in, in my relationships with family and in, in, in friends would have struggled and really paid for that. Um, and that's not fair to them or me. So, right. so yeah. Yeah. I mean, my therapist, um, you know, she, I've never had such a good therapist. And I think that it took me a lot of years of being with bad therapists to realize, yeah, same thing as any relationship, right? Like I, I figured out what I didn't want by having bad therapists. And now I'm like, wow, this is a dream. Like she's a dream. I mean, she's a dream come true. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like the, the thing, one of the things that's so good about her is that she's very, um, she's also like very reachable. You know, when I, especially for me, I mean, she's been, I think, I feel like she treats me, she's always treated me as like an emergency patient. You know, if she goes on vacation, she's like, Hey, I'm not seeing patients, but if you need to see me, I'll see you for an hour. You know what I mean? Like, that's great. Yeah. And like one of the, one of the weird things, content warning, um, suicide, by the way, like one of the, one of the crazy things about grief is that when Anthony first passed away, I was like, for the first couple of weeks, I was like, man, this sucks, but it's not so bad. And then I hit a brick wall. I mean, I had a bad, I had the worst day. And I was just like, I don't think I want to be alive anymore. Which like, I've definitely had like, you know, it's called passive suicidal ideation, right? Where you just don't want to exist anymore. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily want to actively commit suicide. But you're just like, if I could just tap out for a little while, that would be great. And um, I have such a good relationship with her that I was like, I'm feeling really weird about what's happening. This is very sudden and feels very um, wrong. And so I just emailed her. I was like, hey, I just want to be transparent with you. Here's what's happening with me. I feel the worst that I've felt. And it's been it's been weeks. It feels like it should be getting better. And, you know, she was like, hey, you've hit another stage of grief. You've hit depression. Let's have an emergency call. You know, and she talked to me on the phone and like she just cares so much. And that's, you know something that I haven't, you know, had. And also I want to, I want to speak to something that you said, you said, um, you said how you and your wife, you know, when you talk to each other about like, when, if you're like depressed, like you want to like help each other. And one of the things that therapy taught me was I just want to fix everyone's problems. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you really need to do that I, that I've learned to do is say, Hey, are you looking for solutions or do you just want to vent? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that is, that is a game changer in communication with people. Yeah. Um, I, I've learned, I've learned many times now from doing the opposite from like whenever my wife is venting about anything to be like, how do I fix this? Right. 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 Cause like, I mean, I, and game designers, we're some of the worst people at that because we're, <laughs> we're problem solvers. Like that's literally our job is to yeah. solve problems in, an, in a fun and interesting way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we can apply that to anything, you know, and um, that's actually something that not therapy, but coaching has helped me with is, you know, the part of being a coach is that I have to shut up and just listen right. a lot. Um, and then, you know, understand from that listening what what does this person want from me right now? What do they need? But right. not just, you know, what do I think they need? What do, what do they want right. from me? Um, and that's, that's hard. Really, it, it's hard, but it is freeing when you get it, when you, when you can figure that out. Um, 
when you can just listen to someone vent and then when they're done, they can say, oh, sorry for venting or being negative. And it's like, no, you do you like we got to get this out. Right. Yeah. You're like, no, Um, thank you for the privilege of letting me listen to you. Like, thanks for letting me be here, you know. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, like something to remember is that people letting you in like that is a privilege and um, and we should. um, Yeah, I mean, we should we should absolutely be thankful that people want to share that with us, um, even though sometimes it can be hard, like you can feel like, oh, wow, this is tough, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing um, that I wanted to touch on was you talked about feeding the kitten and turning it into a tiger. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that I struggle with a lot. Um, you know, I'll tell my therapist something and she'll be like, hey, what we need to do is, you know, you're giving into this negative behavior because every time this thing happens, you start to like get anxious because you know that if you'll if you do this negative thing, it'll like feed it. You know what I mean? And she's like, you have to start starving it because if you stop giving it, does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Like, like uh, one explanation that's not actually about me is, you know, my, I don't, I don't talk to my mom anymore. Um, Right. Right. And my grandparents would say, well, why aren't you talking to your mom anymore? And, you know, I would have to like, say traumatizing things out loud. And my therapist was like, Hey, I think that they're asking you that because they're anxious about it. And when you answer them, it soothes that anxiety. And what I want you to do is I want you to break the pattern. The next time they ask you that question, I want you to say, Hey, we've talked about this. Why don't I talk to my mom anymore? And then make them say the bad thing. Oh, and then when they say, yeah, right. And then when they say the bad thing, that will feel bad. And that will make them remember and they'll stop asking the question. And it worked. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So like breaking the pattern and kind of starving that thing that wants to grow and be like so toxic is like, can be really rewarding. That's really good. Yeah. That's not unlike what we do with our kids when they ask the same question that they know the answer to. Right. Dad, why does blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not going to answer that. You tell me. Right. Because, because blah, blah, blah. Yes. Okay. I mean, now granted, they'll probably still ask again later, but I just do the same thing. So. Right. Well, my therapist. My therapist being concerned with my grandparents was they're like 88 and 91. And she was like, well, it could be that you're feeding this pattern and it could just be that they have, you know, they're a little senile. (laughs) So. (laughs) Right. 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 So ask them. And if they don't remember then you know that it's because they're a little senile and and you're just going to have to be patient with them. But if they do remember, then you can break this pattern. And I was like, you're brilliant. (laughs) That's, that's really good. Yeah, Yeah. that is, that is worth remembering free, free therapy tip. Y'all take it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's Um, wave, let's wave our $40 copay for this episode and uh, just give everybody (laughs) free therapy advice. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I read this great book. Um, I think her name is Kristen Neff. And it's a book called Self-Compassion, I think. And um, it's a good book in terms of, like, you talk about being self-deprecating. I'm very self-deprecating. And I also get very mad at myself when I get upset about things that I think are, like, you know, I have, like, 
severe abandonment issues, right? And I'm I can be very morbid. So like if um somebody goes to do something or if somebody's supposed to call me and it they're like a couple minutes late, I'm like, they're dead, you know. And um, you know, they've Gosh. been hit by a meteor. Yeah. Get out of my brain. <laughs> right, right. So this self-compassion book really helped me introspect and be like, stop myself, ask myself, hey, why am I having this thought? And then it's like, oh, because when I was a little kid, this thing happened. And then like, learn how to comfort that kid that's still inside of you. And like, the first time I do it, it made me cry. But like, it was so like, it was like really effective and freeing but um also this book is just absolutely buck wild because this woman is clearly like a very rich white woman so she her book her book goes back and forth between like this really mind-blowing incredible advice that I have taken multiple times and that has changed my life and then her talking about her just completely off the rails what rich white person life and like her own problems and I'm like I could not even imagine these problems because these are problems for rich white people. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, my so. summer home is being remodeled, and it's <laughs> summer. And how am I going to deal with that? She, yeah. she. No, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let everybody just read it. No. I'm just going to let everybody read it. It's funny. I the, my, one of the first coaching situations I was put in where I was being coached by another coach. It was. I'm not going to go into any details uh, and how it happened. Um, but what I will say is that that this person was a rich white woman um, who was very unself-aware, especially for being a coach. Like that's kind of like key. Like you want to be self-aware. That's like the whole point. Yeah. 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 If you're not self-aware, you, you, you then you, yeah, you just, you can't do it. Right. Um, and she was painfully unself-aware and she would, she would say things about her rich white woman problems Um or, or brag about her rich white woman life to so many people, including in sessions with people who were like, um, vastly different from her, um, on the socioeconomic scale and on a lot of other scales. And, um, and it was just, it was painful. It was painful. Um, and she never got it. Like she never got it. And, and, you know, um, and she, I believe, has lived through probably a lot of trauma in her life. Um, and it's it's kind of helped her block those understanding and thoughts of her. Um, right, right. It's limited her and, ability to empathize. Right. Which is which is is worth pointing out, but as as we say, is not an excuse um for not working on yourself and for putting that on other people. It's just not. Right. Um, um it's hard though. It is hard, but like there is a point where you need to to do what you need to do um, to try to make yourself better, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're putting yourself in the place of being in a job that's all about helping other people be the best version of themselves, you have no business doing that job, right? If you can't even see that you're you're completely out of the realm of the best version of yourself and not even understand where you're where you're struggling, right? Um, and that's I mean, because I, I know that I'm not the best version of myself, but I, I know that I'm aware of a lot of flaws that I have uh, and I'm going to keep working on those. And I may I may spoiler alert, never get them fully fixed. Right. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to try every damn day for the rest of my life to do that. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I'm probably going to uh, I'm probably going to fail on some of them and that's that's going to be OK, but I'm going to try my hardest. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, to be fully transparent, one of the things that I struggle with is, um, you know, I overbook myself or I mess up timing. And, you know, we were supposed to record last week. And I, I was like, Oh, crap, I'm going to see Dune, because I'm so excited about Dune. I messed up, I messed up. And, you know, I was like, I, I was like, I need to apologize to Jason for this. And I, and it's, I've, I've really like tried to learn how to like admit mistakes in a way that like, where I'm like, Hey, like I'm blaming myself in a way that isn't self-deprecating and I'm trying to acknowledge this behavior that I have that I don't like about myself. And I want to like tell you like, Hey, you're important to me. And this is why I think that I did a bad thing. And I'm going to try to not do it again. And like, I think learning how to like do that, especially with people that I really care about has like helped me to, it's helped me to like explore my own empathy in a way that, cause I think I have a lot of like shame and embarrassment around admitting that I'm wrong about something. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of people do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that it's important to frame it in a way that you're acknowledging that you did something bad but it's not because you're a bad person. Right. Right. Which I think no, is very hard for people like us to admit. It is. It is. And yeah, no, that was very kind of you to send that. And I was very kind to say, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I lied. I, I have vengeance against you now for forever. <laughs> well, I, it was, um, it, it's funny because like, you know, um, I, I try to be someone who gives people, a lot of grace and leeway to be like, okay, yep, nope, they messed up. It's cool. I get it. Um, but as long as I know there was no malintent, if there right. was malintent, then like, then I'm like, well, now, I, now I don't trust you ever, but now you're on you my know, list. So, so then like to be like, no, forgiven. Like I get it. And then I get this big apology from you. I'm like, Oh, well, I already forgave you, but thanks. <laughs> you're like too late. I forgave you. Um, yeah. You're just going to have to make it up to me by doing something horribly embarrassing to me on episode 500. I mean, just really just like, I mean, yeah. just annihilate me. It's going to be bad. It's going to be so bad. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to laugh and cry so hard. Right. Well, on that note, um, uh, we are, uh, we're a little over time here. Yeah, yeah um, I see that. Yeah. This was, this was a really fantastic discussion and, and I, I, I appreciate you so much for a lot of reasons, but I, I really appreciate your willingness to have this discussion. Um, yeah. Thank you, you for letting me talk about all this. this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, this is, this is hopefully good for the listeners to hear and understand, you know, um, everybody has this kind of stuff going on in their lives, different levels of it. And I think it's just really important for all of us to, uh, to talk about it and to be honest and transparent. And, you know, that's what we're always going to try and do here. Um, so if you, uh, if you're a listener, um, you know, first of all, if you're struggling in any way, gosh, talk to someone, reach out and talk to someone, find professional help. Um, you know, call some sort of hotline. I know there are a lot of them out there. Call and talk to somebody. There's help for everyone. Um, even if you don't have insurance, there are ways to get help. Um, you know, and if you can't find help, reach out to the show and, and we'll see if we can help you line something up. Um, because I care about all y'all and I want to make sure that everybody's getting the help that they need. Um, yeah, I also like just to second that, you know, um, we, we were really struggling cause Anthony's dad didn't have very good insurance and the hospice center that he was in and the place we went to a pen, 
they had like grief counseling, they had a chaplain, they had social workers, they had counselors, and all of that was freely available to family members who were dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. loss of Anthony. And and I was absolutely, I mean, they still all call me, you know, the palliative team still calls me, the hospice team still calls me, like they still call me to check on me and make sure that I'm okay. So like, that's great. There are so many ways to get help out there, but some of them aren't, you know, easy to find. So, you know, we're good at this. So ask us for help. <laughs> right, right. Please, please do. Um, but yeah, if you want to get in touch with the show in general, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. Uh, super strongly recommend that you join our Discord channel. Um, our weekly meetups are really good. Um, we talk about all stuff. We help keep each other accountable towards game design and life in general. And uh, I strongly recommend it. Uh, you can, of course, email us to buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at J.A. Slingerland, and at toits, T-O-I-T-S. Um, yeah, thank you again for listening, everyone. And until next time, good night. Good night, everyone. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.